Seeking Tarot is dedicated to exploring the 78 cards in the Rider White Smith deck. You and I will uncover the story we all share by searching through the unknown, the mystery, the obscure. I welcome you, my fellow seeker, to the exotic lands. Maybe in our search, we can find that uncommon magic elixir. Now, grab your compass and let's get started. You've made it to the, into the zone of the very creepy and a little bit on the different side. Today on Seeking Tarot, we're enjoying a little bit of what would be the coming season and the change so that we can enjoy these darker times of Samhain and Maybon, the changing of the fall leaves, and the excitement of what is coming next. These dark seasons are often considered to be one of the things that, well, when the veil gets thin and the spirits like to come out and play, this is a great time for us to be able to celebrate the end of the year and the final festival, the celebration of the last harvest. And so this episode is a little bit early for Samhain, but that's okay. We can enjoy this as kind of getting ready for what's coming next. Today's card is... 13, Death. And in this card, we can find out what truly the meaning of Death card is all about. And many have a tendency when they first learn about Tarot that it's a bit of a fearful card, right? But honestly, this card isn't as fearful as need be upon first look. It's a definitely a creepy card, and it feels like a very ominous omen. But many times, it's actually a positive thing, where we can enjoy the opportunity of change in a positive way, where something is passing away that no longer serves us. This is a time for reflection, an opportunity to get to know our darker side, to know who we are, and to let the old things go, to move into something new. After death comes spring and renewal. Today's story is something that is printed by um, on Wikipedia, and I'm going to read it straight off of that. This is the story of Stingy Jack. And it is where we get the idea for jack-o'-lanterns um, and why the pumpkin is so important in, when it comes to fall and, and um, also Samhain, of course. So, 
As the story goes, several centuries ago in Ireland, there lived a drunkard known as Stingy Jack. He was known throughout the land as a deceiver or manipulator. On a fateful night, Satan overheard the tale of Jack's evil deeds and silver tongue. Unconvinced and envious of the rumors, the devil went to find out for himself whether or not Jack lived up to his vile reputation. Typical of Jack, he was drunk and wandering through the countryside at night when he came upon a body on the, his cobblestone path. The body, with an eerie grimace on its face, turned out to be the devil himself. Jack realized that this was his end. Satan had finally come to collect his malevolent soul. So Jack made a last request. He asked the devil to let him drink ale before he departed to hell. Finding no reason to acquiesce the request, Satan took Jack to the local pub and supplied him with many alcoholic beverages. Upon quenching his thirst, Jack asked Satan to pay the tab for the ale, much to his surprise because he didn't carry any money. Jack convinced him to turn himself into a silver coin which to pay the bartender and change back when he's not looking. Satan did so, impressed upon Jack, by Jack's unyielding nefarious tactics. Shrewdly, Jack stuck the now transmortified Satan coin into his pocket, which also contained a crucifix. The crucifix's presence kept the devil from escaping his form. The coerced Satan... This coerced Satan to agree to Jack's demand in exchange for his freedom. He had to spare Jack's soul for ten years. Ten years after the date, Jack originally struck the, his deal. He naturally found himself once again in the devil's presence. Jack happened upon Satan in the same setting as before, and he seemingly accepted it was his time to go to hell for good. As Satan prepared to take him to hell, Jack asked if he could have one apple to feed his starving belly. Foolishly, Satan once again turned, agreed to his request. As he climbed up the branches of a nearby apple tree, Jack surrounded its base with crucifixes. Satan, frustrated at the fact that he had been entrapped again, demanded his release. As Jack did before, he made a second demand that he will never take his soul to hell. Having no choice, the devil agreed and was set free. Eventually, the drinking took its toll on Jack, and he died. Stingy Jack's soul prepared to enter heaven through the gates of St. Peter, but he was stopped. Jack was told by God that because of his sinful lifestyle of deceitfulness and drinking, he was not allowed into heaven. Jack then went down to the gates of hell and begged for admission into the underworld. Satan, fulfilling his obligation to Jack, could not take his soul. He gave Jack an ember to light his way. Jack is doomed to roam the world between the plains of good and evil with only an ember inside a hollowed turnip. Turnip in this context referring to a large rutabaga to light his way. So that's the story. There is another version of the tale from an 1836 edition of the Dublin Penny Journal. It has Jack help an old man who is revealed to be an angel. To reward him, the angel grants Jack three wishes. He uses these to punish anyone who sits in his chair. 
takes wood from his tree, or tries to take his cobbling tools by fixing them to the ground. The angel is disappointed by this and bars Jack from entering heaven. Jack manages to deflect Satan's messengers who attempt to trick him, and he is condemned to neither to, en- to enter neither heaven or hell. References are Hoffer, Justine, Turkchi, Megan, 29th of October, 2014, The History of the Jack-O-Lantern, and How It All Began with a Turnip. Boston.com, retrieved 30th of July, 2015. Bachelor, Blaine, 27th of October, 2020, The Twisted Transatlantic Tale of American Jack-O-Lanterns, National Geographic, retrieved 3rd of November, 2020. And finally, Traynor Jessica, 29th of October, 2019, The Story of Jack-O-Lantern, If You Knew the Sufferings of That Forsaking Crythor. The Irish Times, retrieved 3rd of November, 2020. This information is provided by Wikipedia for Stingy Jack. Um, But uh, if you want to, you can check it out, wikipedia.org. I really enjoyed that story. And so looking at that and then kind of looking at some of the more familiar versions of what the Pumpkin King is in the 1996 movie that I won't mention... Uh, it's kind of interesting because um, I wonder if that's where they got that character from. I enjoy watching that movie very much, and it's great to be able to see the relation between the two. So, the land of the dead, the underworld, the afterlife, the hereafter, eternity, heaven, hell, Immortality, the great beyond, the great unknown, paradise, nirvana, the next world. When doing the research for death, Thanatos' name came up, and if you're into the Greek mythology, you will probably recognize the name. That is the person that is considered to be death itself. It works with Hades. In Hades. And of course we have the Grim Reaper and the Angel of Death. So looking at all of this we see that death is so prominent within our culture and many many cultures. It's not strictly you know a modern thing to think of the Grim Reaper as the one that is the harbinger of death. And I know that you're all aware of this, right? Who couldn't be aware of this? Somebody that is completely shut out from the world, I'd suppose. But it is so in our face and so clear that death is very prominent and imminent. For anyone that is alive will die, right? Unless you're a vampire. And so if there are any vampires out there, please send me an email. I'd love to hear from you. I want to know what immortality is like. When the dead roam the earth, when the veil is thin and the spirits are very clearly out and about, my question is, how does that look for each of us? It depends on the culture, right? Down in Mexico, we have the 
Day of the Dead and the Land of the Dead. And that is a really cool way to understand and how to honor your ancestors and to appreciate the spirits and those that have come before us. When those things are happening, and this, like I said, the veil becomes thin, it's important to understand the way that everything within the spiritual, spiritual realm moves and operates. Now, I'm going into all of this, and I know it's detracting a little bit from the card, but I'm doing that. Like I said, this is a special episode because of the season and getting a chance to kind of enjoy some of the more in-depth things into what death is really all about. Going over the card, to look at the card itself, it is one of the four horsemen out of the um, that is supposed to help herald the apocalypse. Have you ever seen a show about good and evil? And maybe that is the title. Um, that would be a great place to see you know, kind of what a representation of the four horsemen are, although it's closer to the end of the series, and no spoilers, of course. In the RWS tarot that we're reading from, that is where the apocalyptic death horse, uh, death rider, comes from. On the card itself, you can see death as one of the four horsemen. So just to wrap up this card, I'm going to mention that we really don't need to fear the death card. It isn't an end all. It's usually a sign of change. For instance, a forest fire can be very devastating and can do a lot of destruction and and uh, there's a lot of death that occurs. But pine cones release seeds when the fire has happened so that it can produce more trees. Without that death, we would not be able to have that cultivation of life. And so a lot of times it is a helpful and necessary part of things happening the way that they should. That is the order of the universe and the order of our world. So to say that you find comfort with death, it can be a good thing. All right, so that is all for the death card. And uh, now we can move on to the rest of the episode and you can get a reading. I know that last episode I had mentioned that we will be for the foreseeable future reading from Tarot and Space, but I really feel that I need to switch it up to Tarot of Dragons by Sean McKenzie, and that we should do a reading from this. And part of the reason for this is that I believe that there is something that the dragons and the wisdom that they can share is very important to this episode. So, first of all, I know that Mercury Retrograde is coming up, and a lot of y'all are maybe a little bit on edge about it, and I can resonate with that. <laughs> it makes me a little bit nervous, but I think it's a good thing because we can learn a lot of very valuable lessons within what the planets have to teach us. 
And for some very cool and unique reason, today there was supposed to be multiple cards. So, here we go. Let's jump in. The first card is Six of Lovers. And the second card is Ace of Wands. In the first card with Six of Lovers, there is a picture of a blue dragon in the water and a brown dragon on the earth. And there is a sense of duality with the fish that are in the water and the birds that are on the earth next to the dragons themselves. The two dragons are nose to nose, meeting each other in their respective realms. What I see here is these two are saying that in their own unique worlds where they are, their strength is powerful on the with the properties of the land and the realm that they are in. But they also share this idea of the meeting of the two and that the unique experiences that are around us can be helpful to understanding how to adapt and change Sometimes, for instance, let's say the sun is really hot, and so to cool off, we go in the water. That would be this kind of adaptation, that when you're faced with a challenge, you can share in the adaptability that is needed to use different energies for your best benefit. At times, we need to know to embrace different viewpoints and to meld them into a fluid-like motion. This is the idea behind the lover's card for today in this reading. The second card is the Ace of Wands. And with the Ace of Wands, it is a beautiful red fire dragon breathing onto a staff or wands right and sharing the fire what seems to be coming out of the wand seems to be coming out of the egg itself so this card is meaning like a fiery beginning and fire is represented by your will it is the idea of how things can magically change for your what you choose to focus on, so to speak. And I would say that when you pair the lovers with the Ace of Wands, you get this fascinating combination of being able to adapt and change will bring about a new passionate ability to handle anything you may be faced with. And when you're going through this Mercury retrograde, I just encourage you to really tap into the uh, lovers to be able to come out on the other side with that fiery disposition of will and capability to change the environment in new and amazing ways to, so to speak, bring back that magic elixir, right? My dear seeker my friend i am so glad that you listened today's to today's episode and 
and contemplate all these different ideas of Mercury Retrograde and the Lovers and uh, the Ace of Wands, the Will, the Fire, the Earth, the Water, Death, and Life on the other side, right? And I think about all of this and how it all wraps up and works together and I really appreciate this idea of celebrating and acknowledging the sadness and the joy that comes from death and from life itself. I leave you with a final thought as I close this out. Thinking about six years ago, I had wrote a story, short story, about the personification of death and life. Death had said, you know, I'm really cool, and I'm kind, and I'm considerate, because I take. And life? Well, he's kind of a jerk. Life has a tendency to kind of bug you all the time and keep you tied down with all the various things that it wants you to do. So I flipped the personas of how we generally see life and death to be able to kind of take a look at some of the joy that can be found in death instead of all the time it being sadness. Death can be a seriously difficult topic to embrace, and I know that a lot of every one of us have had some great losses within the last couple of years, and so I am very sympathetic to that. Please don't think that I'm not. I hope that you can find some appreciation for the opportunity to still be able to speak to your spirit guides and your ancestors this coming season and that you can find joy in the different things that we are faced with. Blessed be my friends and I am so glad that you joined us on another episode. What did you think of this one? Did you like it? please send me a note. I'd love to know what you think. Or you can just give me some general feedback on the podcast if you'd like. If you're on Apple Podcasts or if you're on Spotify, there's different ways that you can follow, like, subscribe, and such, and I would really enjoy you doing so. All of that helps to promote me, and it's very little to um, do. It takes five seconds, and One of the things that it benefits is the opportunity to really help grow and continue this podcast so that we can get a chance to reach as many people as possible. I appreciate you, though, and I do see how you all listen to and interact with this podcast, and I very much appreciate it. It bolsters me and brings me confidence and joy to be able to know that what I'm sharing with you is something that is a benefit to you. Also, if you would like in the future episodes, uh, future in general, uh, changing up a little bit of what I do and giving back uh, opportunities for uh, chances for Patreon and uh, maybe some fun things it's like uh, sweatshirts and t-shirts maybe some hats and coffee mugs love me some coffee and some peppermint mocha and 
during this uh, winter season that is coming. I know, it's not here yet, but I love this season. This is one of the best times of the year for me. I mean, I am snow, after all. <laughs>